Hi, everyone. Dr. Tim here, along with Hillary, for another session of the Dr. Tim's Aquatics podcast. How are you doing this morning, Hillary? I am doing great. So we're happy. about... Go ahead. Sorry. I'm happy to report that I'm in an office again. Woohoo! That I heard you room. built with your own hands. I did. I'm very proud of it. <laughs> Good drywall, painting, flooring, okay. all the joys of home ownership. Exactly. Yep. Well, we're starting our marathon here. We got Reef of Palooza, followed by Super Zoo, followed by Magna. I think in between there's a reptile or two shows that. I mean, some people are going to and can't be everywhere at one time. So it's summertime and show season. So yeah. folks, and we just had um, Aquashella in Dallas. Yeah. Last weekend, last weekend, which was good. So if you're down in Southern California this weekend, um, there'll be Reef of Palooza. And then Las Vegas is a closed show. That's an industry show. And then up to Milwaukee, September 8th or 8th, 9th, 9th, 10th, 11th or something for MACNA. All right. Uh, Today's topic is one that's kind of timely as we get this question a lot when we do shows. And my tank has Sino or my tank has Dino. How do I tell which is which and what do I do? Common problem. I'm sure you hear a lot too, Hillary. Oh, yes. So first off, what are sinos and dinos? They are different. So sinos is short for cyanobacteria, which for a long time was considered an algae because it grows as kind of a a blanket, it can be, normally it's red, but it can be black or it can be uh, green. There's freshwater versions, marine versions. But most people think, well, bacteria are single cells. You can't see them. So this mat that just covers everything. And if you have a terrible case of cyanobacteria, I mean, it is just uh, all over everything. Is this also called red slime algae? Yeah, red slime algae, yep. Figured I'd just throw out some terms because a lot of times, especially if you're new to the hobby, it can be very confusing and like trying to figure out what you're treating. You hear one people, one person call it something and then somebody else calls it something else. So yeah, a couple of different names for stuff. Good point. And it, it grows as a, as a mat. Just, just think of a putting a cloth over everything, draping a cloth over your rock, your corals, the substrate. Uh, up the walls of the aquarium if you let it. And it's actually a bacteria and it, it grows in a big giant colony or mat. Or mat. Um, dinoflagellates, on the other hand, are, are what are called protis, P-R-O-T-I-S-T. And they occupy this mid area between, are they a plant or are they an animal? Um, couldn't decide, so we made it protist, or we, I'm talking about scientists. And they have some uh, very unusual characteristics, and that's how, with both of these organisms, how you battle them. Yes, you can go for the chemical treatment. The, you know, there's companies out there that sell antibiotics because antibiotics will kill the cyanobacteria, but again, the antibiotics are going to kill all the bacteria, the good bacteria, the cyanobacteria, 
the bacteria living in the water column. You know, we don't really, um, we don't at all endorse those types of methods because you're basically treating the symptom and it's going to come back. You need to understand, and that's what this podcast is, the what how these organisms make a living, meaning how they grow. And if you understand a little bit about the biology, then you can change the biological parameters of your aquarium so they don't grow. And it takes a little longer. You know, the methods I'm going to talk about are not overnight, but most likely your tank didn't develop either one of these problems overnight. And it just, it just takes some time. Once you understand the process, then you can eliminate them and you should have long-term success without having to do, you know, adding um, antibiotics and chemicals and, and try to force the system. Cause that's basically the take home message here is you can't force the system using chemistry or chemical methods to change. The biology is what's controlling the uh, what organisms grow. Does that make sense, Hillary? Yeah, absolutely. So let, let's talk about these uh, individually. So cyanobacteria, as I noted, are a bacteria. And the peculiar thing about cyanobacteria is they can get their nitrogen needs by fixing atmospheric nitrogen. So what does that mean? Let's bring this down to uh, like what it, how it applies to us. Normally, bacteria need nitrogen. Bacteria in water get their nitrogen needs by the nitrate in the water. Nitrate is the end product of nitrification. Ammonia converted to nitrite. The nitrite converted to nitrate. And then... Uh, the nitrate builds up. As we've talked about many times, one way to control the nitrate in your aquarium is using our waste away bacteria or our waste away gels. And what's happening is the bacteria that are in those two products consume or assimilate the nitrate along with the phosphate out of the water producing more bacterial biomass. So you're converting the nitrate and phosphate into bacteria. Your protein skimmer removes the bacteria and problem is solved. You're keeping your nitrate and phosphates in check. What happens generally with cyanobacteria is because they can remove or, or they, can, they can fix atmospheric nitrogen, which water has got a lot of nitrogen in it, the atmosphere, 78% nitrogen, they will dominate in aquarium systems that generally have low or no nitrate. And anything, you know, I'm going to talk about, I'm going to throw out some numbers and concepts. And it's not just as it always is in biology, it's not a hundred percent guaranteed. I'm talking about the bell-shaped curve that covers, you know, 70, 80, 90 percent of the cases. There's always a special case, so there's exceptions. But in general, the cyanobacteria 
dominate in tanks that have low nitrate because the internet's out there and it says, oh, if you don't want to grow these nuisance organisms, keep your nitrate super low or zero. Well, that plays right into the hands of cyanobacteria because if your nitrate is zero, you're not going to be able to grow the waste away bacteria because they need their nitrogen needs from nitrate dissolved in the, in the water. And your corals aren't probably doing very well either because their symbiotic bacteria need, uh, or symbiotic organisms, they need the nitrate in the water too. So you've, you've eliminated nitrate in the water, but now you're growing cyanobacteria. Why? Because you've forced the system to where only organisms that can adapt to the low or zero nitrate values can grow. And that is cyanobacteria. Add some light because they're, they're, uh, they can be photosynthetic. Add some light to the situation and also organics. Cyanobacteria generally grow when there's a lot of organic, particulate or dissolved organics, but definitely particulate, you know, you haven't cleaned your substrate very often. There's just a lot of uh, particles in the substrate. So that's being broken down. Uh, and the cyanobacteria definitely grow in generally what's called polluted waters. Can I interrupt for a second? So when you say um, lots of organics and light, so I would like to remind people that just because you've got just a light on your tank um, doesn't mean that's the only source of light. If you've got, a, if your tank is in a room that there's like windows, or even if it's only a tiny amount of light, if the sun hits it in a certain spot during the day, like it might be getting more light than you actually are thinking that you're putting in just with the light on top of the tank. Yeah, good point. In fact, this uh, person sent us a tank or a picture of their tank and it's, you know, looks, it's big, but it's right in front of a window. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you're going to have problems there. The sunlight coming through windows, there's still enough of the right or wrong wavelength, actually, that you can grow lots of algae. Yep. Even if it's yep. not direct sun sunlight, you'd be amazed at yeah. what windows can do. Yeah. Or it's like being, you know, at the beach on a cloudy day. You don't think you're getting sunburned. Uh, yeah, you are. Um, so, so that's the first thing is if you have cyano, measure your phosphate and nitrate. And then also the plan of attack would be to gravel wash your substrate, you know, get, get clean up the substrate uh, and get all that organic material out of there. And then next look at your light system, because what I find is a lot of people just have, you know, they buy these nice expensive, really well-engineered lighting systems, but they have the light, especially the blue at a hundred percent way up there. And that is just too much of the blue. And why am I talking about the blue? Because that is the wavelength that penetrates the furthest. And that's what, I mean, we have the blue light. That was the whole secret that was found out to be able to successfully grow corals because corals are adapted to that wavelength because that's what penetrates the water. That's why the water looks blue. 
you know, you know, the red gets filtered out very fast and we, we won't go into all that, but it's the blue that penetrates. It's the blue that the animals are used to, but you don't need your blue wavelength or your blue channel turned up to a hundred percent. If unless your tank is 30 inches deep or you have just a ton of corals in there, you don't need the blue wavelength or blue channel turned up so high. Turn it down less than 50%. And if, if you've got a fish only tank, you know, we can debate whether you even need the blue. But a lot of times people just, um, you, you've got the blue up way too high. Turn it down below, you know, down in the 40s or 45s at, at the most. Uh, especially if you have a shallow tank, because that's just producing tons of the right wavelength to grow these photosynthetic organisms, including the cyanobacteria. And then you need to work on getting your nitrate levels up, which there's a couple of ways to do that. Um, a lot of times people have what I call the Swiss army knife approach to filtration they've got everything they've got a uv they've got a refugia now they've got the roller filters maybe even uh, uh definitely have the protein skimmer you know, they have all this different filtration devices probably none of them working that efficiently and definitely working kind of against each other so look at what you can do to keep your substrate clean and maybe especially if your nitrate is too low consider where what could be consuming your nitrate so how can how can nitrate be removed other than just massive water changes is do you have a thick gravel bed and maybe your system's gone a little anaerobic somewhere so it's doing denitrification older tanks can do that are you using a refugia and you have lots of some type of a, a green uh, plant that's removing all that material and you're competing? Um, just, just look at what might be the source of you know, what's removing all this nitrate and dial that back. Um, there aren't too many chemical media that remove nitrate like there are phosphate removing of the, the aluminum oxide and ferric oxide that remove phosphate there aren't too many of those for nitrate it's usually some type of a biological action so look at that and um if you have fish in the tank maybe consider feeding them a little bit more which kind of sounds counterintuitive but if you feed them more they're going to produce more ammonia which will produce more nitrate and bring that nitrate level up. Um, now we, we do have a treatment regime, you know, for this, a recipe card where you physically remove as much of the cyanobacteria as you can, because as I've mentioned many times, it's kind of a numbers game. Any of these things that you do, you need to reduce the population of the cyanobacteria and try to increase the population of the free swimming of the pelagic bacteria to get your system rebalanced. And one thing I 
I hear a lot at the shows is, well, I've got cyanobacteria and I'm dosing some type of uh, carbon source of fuel, you know, uh, uh, and my next question, when somebody says, yeah, you know, I'm dosing one of these proprietary carbon f- uh, liquid carbons. And I said, did your cyanobacteria go nuts? And most of the time, the answer is yes. And the reason is adding carbon to a tank full of cyanobacteria is just th- like throwing lighter fluid on an already lit barbecue. Not recommended because the cyanobacteria want that carbon too. And as I've said, they can fix the nitrate right they need right out of the atmosphere so you're just feeding them have you had that experience hillary no i have not well i mean not 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 feeding your cyanobacteria (laughs) but people come up to you and talk about cyano and say they're adding a a liquid carbon yes yes that i have yeah and and i don't know any case where that's actually worked um because you're feeding the cyano, you know, it, so what you need to do, no matter if you're going to use our method or someone else's, highly recommend you physically remove. It's not that hard, but I mean, yes, it can be messy and it can be work, but um, remove as much of that cyano you, as you can. And then we, you know, our refresh will battle that cyano. But again, it's just it's just treating the symptom. The idea is to physically remove as much as you can, hit the cyano to knock it back, and then add our waste away bacteria to get in there and degrade the organics that are feeding the cyano. But if you have no nitrate in the water, adding our waste away bacteria is not going to work that well because they need nitrate. So you've got to get your nitrate up before you start doing any of this. You can add different products to get that nitrate, but it needs to be reading between five and 10 for for these methods to work. And yes, your tank will probably look worse before it looks better, but I'm sure Hillary, your new office looked a little worse before it looks as good as it does now. Oh yeah. I I think I've said in a past podcast, like I battled Sino and it was terrible. And I will say when he's talking about removing it, go slow. Like, like you're trying to catch a fish, just move super slow as you're like vacuuming and like pulling it off the rocks. Cause it'll come off. It's kind of like a film, but if you move fast, you're going to stir it up and it's going to get everywhere. Yeah. Then you're just going to break it into a million pieces and it's just going to make a mess. Now I've got a question for you. Um, If so, say you happen to not heard this podcast and you are adding a fuel to your fire, is there any concern for the livestock that's in your tank? Obviously at this point, you're probably, if you've got corals, probably not really enjoying your corals, but like, is there any threat to the fish? From the fuel or, well, I mean, some, some cyano are, and that's the problem with just killing them in the tank instead of removing them. Cyanobacteria can release toxic substances. So if you have a ton in there and you break it all up or you add some of these products that just kill it, kill them, there's a potential that you could be releasing toxic substances into the aquarium and that can kill your fish. So, Good to know. 
now. So it's like, just take your siphon and work at removing that film and just get it all out of there uh, for cleaning the gravel or the, or the coral bed. You know, you have to be careful because if you haven't done it in a long time, chances are it's gone anoxic, which is no oxygen and it's developed hydrogen sulfide. And if you start stirring it up, you can release that hydrogen sulfide into the water. So in extreme cases where people are having just lots of problems and they're at their wits end, what I've recommended is you have to bite the bullet and get rid of all that substrate. So you're just stirring it up and cleaning it, just get it out of the tank because uh, it can, and if it's black, if, if you start stirring up and it comes with a black um, cloud or you smell hydrogen sulfide, that tells you what a big problem is right there. You should add some air stones to the tank to help and then get rid of all that substrate. It's, it's a, it can be a lot of work, but you're, you've got a ticking time bomb in there. It's just going to be easier to get rid of that substrate, wash it really well or throw it away and start over again. It's just um, hasn't been maintained. Now, I've got to ask, because, you know, I'm always concerned for the fish. If you are removing substrate like that and you do have fish in the tank, would you recommend taking the fish out and putting them in like a five-gallon bucket with water so they're not in there while you're stirring all that up? If you can, yes. It's always better when you're doing this wholesale cleaning to try to, you know, remove as much of the livestock as you can and then just get in there and go to work and clean up the tank, refill it, let it you know, balance overnight, the fish will be fine. Just have, make sure you have aeration, the battery, uh, you know, generated air pumps work fine for 24, 36 hours. And don't feed your fish where in the bucket, they'll, they don't have to eat it three times a day, every day. Um, but yeah, just clean up the system. Just, just jump in and get it done. You know, rip off the bandaid as they say. Uh, have some towels. Yeah, so always have some towels. <laughs> water doesn't. Water always flows downhill, right under the floor. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of with cyano. It it's grows in in systems that it dominates in systems that have high organics and low nitrate generally. Now, and it grows as mats. Now, dinoflagellates are a little bit different. They don't grow as a film in general, you know, as, as Hillary or, or we're trying to paint this picture, we just have this mat of red that grows out. Cyano grows more as tufts. And the one easy way to tell is if you, you know, you get up in the morning and you're taking, oh, it's looking pretty good. And then you turn the lights on and across the span of a day, you know, as the lights have been on longer and longer, you have these filaments and tufts that are coming up from the substrate. And there may even have uh, bubbles in them. Sino can have bubbles too, but but it's pretty distinctive between the two. And the one thing is that the dinoflagellates are photosynthetic. And this is how we're going to use, you know, the art of war, use their strength against them. You have to know something about your your enemy here, the biology of the dinos. So generally, they um, 
look and your tank looks great in the morning as the lights are on it starts looking worse and worse and worse and dinoflagellates dominate when you have low nitrate and low phosphate and like i say you know if you're people come up to meet the shows and they say they're having terrible problems with dinos and I say, what's your water chemistry? And they say, perfect. That's not an answer, folks. Perfect is not an answer. If it was perfect, you wouldn't have these problems. So come with some values. Uh, your And generally, your phosphate is going to be probably unmeasurable. And your nitrate might also be zero or it's going to be below five. And that's perfect for, for dinoflagellates because they are photosynthetic and they're also can degrade organics they and some of them they're they eat other organisms you know so so they can ingest and they can get their nutrition by eating bacteria and other things this is why you know are they an animal or are they a plant because you know animals aren't photosynthetics but plants well maybe the venus flytrap eats things so you know they have traits from both and all your substrate is full of all sorts of bacteria and, and all sorts of things that they can get nutrition from. And that's why dinoflagellates dominate in the super low nutrient systems because, again, the waste away bacteria aren't going to do very well because there's no nitrate and phosphate in the water. Algae isn't going to do well because there's no nitrate and phosphate in the water. And so just like with the cyano, with the dyno, one, check your lights. Are you running that blue spectrum, you know, that blue channel super high? Turn it down. And the treatment for that, for dynos is one, clean your substrate and get rid of all the organics. But what we recommend if you're having lots of issues is what's called the blackout period. And we've had hundreds and hundreds of people do this. I think only one time did somebody say they lost a coral and they said the coral was weak to start with. But you're doing a total blackout of the tank with the black sheets of plastic, no light, not turning off the lights. We're talking about wrapping the tank loosely. You know, you keep your your filter running, the water running. Um, your corals will do do fine, and you cover it completely so there's no light for three days. And what that does, without that light, dinoflagellates can't grow. So now you've weakened them. Then you get in there and siphon clean, and then hit it with refresh a couple of times, you know, a day apart, and then clean it again and start with the waste away. But in the meantime, if your nitrates and phosphates are super low, you've got to have a plan to get those up. Because what I just described will only work well, temporarily because the system's biology of the, the you know chemistry is such that with with the low nutrients only the dinos can really dominate so you've got to get your phosphates and nitrates up for long-term success 
at battling dinoflagellates. Clear so far, Hillary? Yep. So how do you get your phosphates and nitrates? Well, feeding, you know, all food, most food is is full of phosphate. We're not, you know, we're not talking get it up into one, two, three, but generally you need to be above 0.03, 0.05. And the nitrate needs again to be above five, you know, right around 10 seems to be the sweet spot. And look at your system and all the filtration. Where could be the sinks that are sucking up the phosphates and the nitrates? And it, it does kind of sound, you know, counterintuitive or like, why am I adding nutrients? You know, I, I don't want to do that, but you, uh, it's more often than not, it's people that have dinos, their tanks that have dinos have super low levels of the phosphate and nitrate. And until you get those levels back up, you're kind of just going to go around in a circle because they're going to come back because that's all the system can grow. It can't grow any algae. It can't probably, the corals aren't doing very good and you can't grow your waste away bacteria, um, which helps because they, like I've said, they need that nitrate and that phosphate. So you got to change the, the water chemistry, the nutrient, you know, the nutrients um, to favor a bacteria, a pelagic, a bacteria and the bacteria in the symbiotic organisms and coral rather than the cyano and dino. That makes sense. Oh. All about balance and yeah, and it and in we've said it many times, and, and you know, the internet can be a great source of information. 10% of the time, I don't know, maybe more, but it can also be a terrible source of information. And a lot of people, you know, talk about these things, but they don't really understand the underlying biology and, and the biology can't be f- fooled by, by, by meaning if you have super low n- uh, nutrient, cause I'm sure you've seen this Hillary uh, it's not as dominant now, but for a while, oh, it's just get, make sure you have no nitrates and no phosphates. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it was I feel all like that over. was a big trend like a it couple was. of years ago. Like you want to have zeros across the board. I'm like, no. Yeah. And it was, and you know, I try, but most people it's, you know, well, you're just trying to sell us something. No, I'm not. I'm trying to get you to understand the biology of the system. The ocean is not nitrate and phosphate free. Every organism needs that from the bacteria, the proteus, the cyanobacteria, the coral, the symbiotic. We need it. So you need, but a balance. You know, conversely, if you have tons of phosphate and tons of nitrate and throw light in the system, well, you're going to grow algae, you know. So you kind of have to think of this as, as you don't want the super low levels because only certain organisms can dominate. You don't want nitrate free because that's going to lead you to cyanobacteria. You definitely don't want phosphate and nitrate free because pulled that direction, you're going to get dinoflagellates. There's almost a guarantee on that one. Like I said, you don't want super high levels because you're going to, you know, algae. You want to get in that that what Goldilocks zone of a little bit nutrients and everything is will do well. And as Hillary just said, that's balanced. And how to balance your tank, every tank is different. How many corals you have, how many fish you have, the lighting system you have. But water 
chemistry and test kits can help you. You know, keep your phosphate about 0.03 to 0.05, definitely below 0.1. Keep your nitrate. Uh, I think you can go higher than 10, but not higher than 20. And then look at your aquarium. I mean, that's the, the key thing. You know, are you getting spots? Dial your lights back if if you you know you're running that blue channel super high. How long are you running your lights? I know people that run their lights 14, 15 hours a day. Oh yikes. Yikes. Yeah. And you well, know too, like a especially if you have if like you're adding new corals or if you're setting up a new tank like slowly build up your lights like say you want to have them on for eight hours a day like don't start out at eight hours like slowly ramp it up to eight hours i think that too will help to eliminate some issues right and and also um now with most lighting systems and apps and things like that you can ramp up during the day when, you know, the lighting can start off. It doesn't have to be at the final setting. You can ramp it up as it's going towards noon and then ramp it down. Think about nature. Most corals grow in the equatorial, you know, between the, between the tropics. They're not up there in Antarctica or or, Sweden or something where the sunlight is on, you know, in the summer, 24 hours a day. So 10 hours most, you know, uh, intense, intense regime, only a few hours, especially if you've got a programmable system. Think about where these corals are growing and uh, rather than what your sunlight is, because as Hillary said earlier, you're getting light in there, especially if you've got any windows or things like that. So it don't have to rely just 100 percent on your lighting system because the corals and the animals don't need that intense light for all 10, 12, definitely not more than 12 hours a day. So, exactly. Like um, we're talking about light and tanks and I was like, you know, I'm, I'm in my new office and there's a huge window directly in front of my tank. I'm like, <laughs> I'm actually going to need to get some curtains for that. <laughs> Unless you want to grow algae. Hey, you know, maybe I'll just do a big experiment, see how much I can grow. No, I don't want that. You know, if you tried that, you wouldn't grow the algae at all. Anytime you try to intentionally do something, it just doesn't. (laughs) So I I think we've covered the two top, you know, the the topics, the difference between the two uh, questions. We always, you know, your experiences and stuff like that. We can talk about this is a subject that definitely, um, needs more than one podcast and we are after uh things slow down a little bit in the tr- in the trade show season uh we are going to talk about the red field ratio and the misapplication of that in the aquarium hobby but that's going to be for another day we left them hanging right Ellen? i like that they're going to come back for more <laughs> that's it so I, I think we covered any other questions, Hillary, about the uh, sinos and dinos? I don't think so. I think we did a pretty good overview of everything. But as always, if you guys have questions, feel free to send them in. We still have one Q&A podcast for this month. Um, and if you guys have enough questions about sinos and dinos, I don't know, maybe we can do another 
podcast yeah. about this. Exactly. Yep, definitely. All right, everyone. Well, this has been Dr. Tim and Hillary for another session of the Dr. Tim's Aquatics podcast. Thanks for listening. And hopefully we'll see you at one of the shows here in the next month or so.